This is In Between Stations Radio. The Haunted House. You've seen it in movies, read about it in books. You go there. Either it's connected to you and your family or it's connected to someone else's family. But you're there and you're walking through the halls and there's all those paintings on the wall. Maybe they're your ancestors or someone's ancestors. And the eyes in the painting follow you as you walk, as you get closer to the basement where the monster lives, or maybe it's hidden in one of the rooms upstairs, one of the locked rooms. You know, the haunted house. It's a classic thing, but how deep does it really go? I think it's a lot older than any Hollywood movie. Older than 1816, that famous haunted summer, the year without summer, due to a tremendous volcanic explosion on an Indonesian island that set the the world for a short time into a miniature ice age, actually, where the young Mary Shelley and her four other friends got together and talked about hauntings, talked about the scary things, read traditional stories. The young, beautiful 17-year-old Mary Shelley, who, Mary Shelley Wolscraft, who herself had had a horribly haunted life, tragic life, set with her famous poet, husband, and writer, Percy Shelley and the grand famous Lord Byron who was probably the most celebrated star before movie stars the most celebrated person in Europe at that time period because of his writing and his romanticism and his and his incredible looks and his athletic accomplishments this tremendous thinking man and and, and Mary's husband who was almost as famous as him and these and a a medical doctor who was a profound surgeon who came up coincidentally with the very first vampire story that night and Mary Shelley's tragic sister and the tremendous thunderstorms that took place uh, in that month there on the in the summer of 1816 and, uh, and and how this the most famous of all gothic horror novels Frankenstein was born and a mere 17 year old woman wrote that incredible book who was a profound intellectual for her age having read hundreds if not thousands of books her, her father and uh, her mother had an immense library 
all the intellectuals of England and, and Europe often met in this house because her parents were were quite famous for their thinking and their writing. And young Mary grew up speaking several languages as well, baseline Latin and Greek and Italian and other languages. But with that came this very haunted personal life in her family that was um, full of tragedy. Personal life event in her family and in her marriage and all the people in that place on Lake Geneva in that summer had all had very tragic lives and all would end tragically except for for the young Mary Shelley who would go through so much. So how how old is the haunted house and how far back does it go, this, this mythology? And I think it's very, very ancient. And in fact, is it possible to live in an entire, to live in a country that is in an entire haunted house? And I think it is. And let me explain why. Because I think haunted houses are about things that we suppress hide, push down, lock away, you know, don't think about it. As an individual and often in a family, you know, the daughter that got raped and had the father's baby, or the murder that was committed in the field somewhere between two brothers, buried and covered up. Or in my family, there was a fight, and in the fight, a man was killed and murdered, and then the, the person in my family ran away, and no one ever heard from him again. I think we all have these kind of stories that we bury in the cemetery or in the basement. It's lost in some painting on the wall. You know, there are places that you can pass through and walk through. There's one in particular in the West Desert of Northern Utah. It sets not far from the town of Faust, a town really that isn't, isn't much left there now. There's a few ranchers, there's even some old cemetery markers that say, killed by Indians, carved on these old tombstones from the 1880s, 1870s, maybe even a little earlier when the Pony Express ran through there. But there are much more haunting stories than killed by Indians. In fact, it's the other way around. And I, I passed through a place that had this, between two rough mountain ranges, there's this little open meadow. And if you kick th things around a bit there, you'll find artifacts, pieces of pottery, pieces of a, a lot of pieces of a indigenous Paiute little village that used to be there. And if you kick around and dig around enough, you'll find pieces of U.S. Cavalry Army artifacts. Now, why would they be mixed in there with all the indigenous pottery and pieces of moccasins and rugs and other things that sit in that little meadow? And I did research. And I found out why that area always felt so dark, so odd to me, a sort of haunted house, if you will. 
such a beautiful place and yet such a horrible feeling was there. What I found out through research when I went to the University of Utah in different places, I find I found out that Fort Douglas sent a group of soldiers out to this particular place. It's even on a map. I don't know if he was General Connor or Major. I don't remember anymore. I'd have to look it up. Anyway. Patrick Connor, I think was his name. He took a group of men out. I'm not sure if he was there personally, but he gave the order. And they knew that the men would be out hunting at this time from the village. I think Paiute, maybe it's Goshute. Excuse me, I think it was Goshute. There's still a small little reservation there. What's left of those people. And the, the troops, the soldiers, massacred, we know this now, you can go and excavate the place, massacred mostly women, children, and babies, killed and raped, just raped, and did whatever they needed to, to basically completely destroy the village, because there was needs and wants for the land there, and there was desires to move the indigenous people off of it. And if you know the story of the Goshutes, they lived a sort of very desert life. One that we might view as poverty. But really what it is is an incredible way of surviving in a place that has very few resources. So it was easy to tack on things like savage and cave people, and some of them did live in caves. And to tack on all these sort of stereotypes that go along with things. And so, about 30 to 40 women and children were killed on that day. And it was called a battle. This has since been changed in places like where I grew up, the Bear River Massacre, it used to be called. Uh, 150 miles from this place, and a little more op open area now, up by Franklin, Idaho, and the Bear River. The river itself is used to be called the Bear River Massacre when I grew up, but what it turned out to be, as usual, was a group of natives struggling in the winter to get food and to get resources, and so they did what they needed because their land had been taken from them. And their traditional fields and little towns had been built around them. And so what was called a war, we found out later through research, the same thing that I did, it was an absolute massacre mostly of women and children, why the men were gone. Haunted houses. Is it possible for an entire country to bury things that happened when it first was founded? I went to a war like that, where women and children were killed, many of them, for a thing called oil, for a for oil that didn't even belong to us, for a resource that wasn't ours, for a puppet government that was put in by our CIA, for an old war between Russia and the United States that was guised in the form of Iran and Iraq, where tons of chemical and biological agents were shipped into the country on behalf of Russia, and Russia to Iran, and the United States to Iraq, 
the CIA was involved in this war that took place between these two traditionally traditional tribes that have fought each other for a long time but not in this way not in this cruel manner and we have videos and films we know that the nerve agent the chemical agents were used in a very horrible way and that later on when we decided to go and get oil from the collapsed puppet, puppet government that we formed that we this tradition that we do when we take resources from indigenous peoples when we commit wars to have those resources to own that government to put our people in the place but we're not the only country that does it Britain Russia it's it's something that's practiced all over but we're we're, we're kind of experts at, at it and I think it goes back again to this whole thing of how many people died what happened to all the photos and the eyewitness witness accounts of, of women and children killed and slaughtered and the stories that we made up later on that was the exact opposite. It was them coming after us and we had to shoot them and kill them. The Lieutenant Cowleys of Vietnam went in and slaughtered an entire village of innocent people. The stories we don't hear about, Dresden, Germany, mostly a place full of innocent people where there were no soldiers hardly at all. And we know that and the things that happened from a famous book called Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut, who was a private there, whose shock and horror of coming up after the fire bombings at Dresden to see thousands and thousands of civilians dead, mostly all women and children, and all the questions to why something would happen like that. These anti-war novels like Catch-22 and other things like that that we try to suppress and forget the and build the haunted house brick by brick. Getting away from that, getting away from the, the sheer genocide committed to form this country that's built on the bodies, thousands, tens of thousands of bodies of Native Americans. I've walked through some of those graveyards Lakota Sioux, places in North Dakota, where horrible things happen that we don't talk about anymore. Can an entire country be a haunted house? And so I think I pull that back to the personal issues of self and family, and the things that sometimes we often like to bury and not think about, and how we can continue to pass on this tradition of burying things that aren't pleasant, blaming things on things like the devil, when really the blame should be placed fully on our shoulders. Or maybe not the blame, but maybe the ability to see that something has been done wrongly and to, to, to correct it, to, to do something with that and to, and to build and make a better future. But isn't part of that acknowledging that it happened? Maybe, in essence, returning to the grave of somebody in a family or the situation or life and addressing what really did happen there. And do things like that make ghosts, leave these pockets of trauma, leave these places of sorrow and weeping, these things that ghosts do in a place where a tragedy in a person's life, awful event happened and we just 
we didn't deal with it. We just buried it, buried it in the, in the graveyard, in the basement, in the family history, in the secret society, in the boys' club, in the Senate, even in the president's office, in the religion, in the army. We buried it and forgot about it. And these, these ghosts rise up and they demand they demand to be heard and to be reckoned with. Even in our habits and the things that we do on a personal level. Even the, the reported minister that is such a great man to his congregation that goes at night and goes to horror houses, visits places that you shouldn't go, that takes his dark side on the dark side of town and does things that he never wants to talk about. The family discovers after the husband dies that he had two or three wives, that he had a lot more kids than he ever admitted to, and affairs that he admitted to. But no one ever knew about it until after he died and looked at his journal or something. You know, we, we know these stories. Um, Edgar Allan Poe was a great one for addressing these things that we suppress, that we want to forget about. Follow the House of Usher is, a, is the ultimate haunted house story that pulls everything down into this black, dark altar in the bottom of a basement where all these atrocities took place. And how, these, how this brother and sister were made to live in this house that never, where people never come to terms with the evil. I don't even know if it's evil with the atrocities committed in a family and passed on from generation to generation. We look so nice in our suit and tie. We look so nice in our, in our khakis, in our camouflage, with our, with our weapons, with our soldiers and armies. We look so good and so nice and we romanticize that and we forget about the dead that are left behind and the suffering that goes on for generations. I wonder if the haunted house will ever, ever have a person in that family, in that country that will challenge these buried sorrows, these traumas. If we can personally come to terms with them and stop repeating these vicious cycles of hiding things, of not thinking about it, of locking things away in a box and moving on and yet they continue to be committed not only in families and marriages and in personal lives, but in entire countries. And that sooner or later, the payment will be asked for, if not in the form of a horrible war, in the form of a deep psychosis and mental illness, of cycles that's just being repeated over and over until someone addresses them and corrects them. That's kind of one of the interesting things of the great um, psychologist at the beginning of the 20th century, Carl Jung, in 1913, during, before, on the edge of, world, of all the atrocities of World War I and later World War II, Carl Jung tried to survive, a man who had this very professional life, who was a very famous doctor, medical doctor in his own right, who suddenly fell into a deep psychosis and, and realized that horrible things were going to come to Europe and the entire world. But that, all that, all that was based on 
each personal life of the people in these countries. That it can't be blamed on a country as much as it can be rest on the shoulders of each individual to correct and come to terms with these ghosts, these, these things that we, we hide away. And so the great psychology of Carl Jung, Sigmund Freud, others were born from this suppression of things in the personal life, in the family life, in the life of a country. And although not everything today is used in those terms, we can still look at people like Sigmund Freud and see that it was about coming to terms and healing these, these ghosts that we carry with us for, for generations. And so I, I walked through my own haunted house, having been in a war, a tragic one, having stories in a family where great tragedies happened, suicide of a father, um, the loss of a husband, abandoning, abandoning his, his beautiful little family and leaving them in the worst of situations, a murder, a hanging, a rape, the visiting of a prostitute, the murder of a wife, all these things make for horror stories. But do we just bury them and put them away or do we, do we take responsibility at some point and try to get better and try to address these situations and at least say, I'm sorry that we did things wrong, that we need to move beyond this into a different into a new world, into a new place where we can start over again and not forget, but correct, but do things in a way that the river can take its full, beautiful, winding course again and not be dammed up, not dried up, not forgotten, but letting it flow freely, symbolically as well as literally in our life, in our hearts, in our soul. And and get better as individuals and as a country and to to let the fresh wind and the new paint and the remodeling of the haunted house take place and to finally have a new generation and a new a new family born for the future in which we don't have to keep repeating all these things in the past and once again that great quote from the book Novel Ulysses, now 100 years old. History is a nightmare from which I'm trying to awake. And I think maybe the nightmare can be stopped if we begin to address things and take responsibility in our personal lives before we start blaming governments and blaming political factions and religions. We need to turn and look at ourselves and see the responsibility we have for getting better, for healing, for being whole again. That we have played this role in the haunted house, so speak. <laughs> the metaphor of a family, of, of a town, of a, of, of a country. That on an individual basis, we can really do something in, in, incredible. Rebuild the house, address the ghost, make the grass grow again, the flowers, and. And, and the rivers flow and the birds sing again, that it, it doesn't need to be a haunted house anymore. That at least our, our place in that whole situation, in that history, 
can help change things now and for the future. The Haunted House. See you. This is In Between Stations Radio.